As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. The Sift Pop Podcast is recorded in front of a live internet audience. Live from a bunker in the heart of the Ozarks. Don't be surprised if we offer you some tea and then suggest you download all our podcasts. It's Sift Pop. I make a cup of tea every single morning. And ever since last night, when I woke up and I stared at my tea this morning, I went, I don't know <laughs> what is going to happen. Tea's an appropriate thing with our uh, guru today as well. Yeah. Uh, hey, that's just making assumptions. Well, that's what I do. <laughs> welcome to Sif Pop. We're streaming live on Mixler every Friday <laughs> afternoon or available to download later on your podcast feed. Unless, of course, you're a patron. Patrons get perks. Yeah, they do. Mm-hmm. I'm Aaron Dicer from YourMovieFriend.com. I'm joined by Andrew Ormsby from Flick Freaks. And every Ahoy. week... We will be joined by a pop culture guru to chat about movies, television, and whatever else from the pop culture universe is on our minds. And joining us once again from the future, it's our friend on the other side of the pond. It's Sam from Sam's channel on YouTube. Woo! Hello. <laughs> I've got to tell you, uh, I've forgotten how things look here. Like, the future's crazy and, uh, you know, with bandwidth sucks over here in the past <laughs> that's that's right um yeah you're about six hours ahead of us is so it six or nine i don't know gmt yeah what what time is it like nine o'clock over there Nine thirty almost no no you are you are right it is uh six o'clock well oh, I it's not six o'clock it's <laughs> 20 20 past six yeah okay. so about six hours into the future so let us know if anything you know happens and we need to know about it ahead of time so um uh, so that we can yeah, be nothing, ready. Nothing's happened so far, but I'll, I'll keep you posted. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate that. Um, so we're going to have a good time. Uh, Sam, we always love it when you join us, not just because of your lovely accent, but also because of your lovely knowledge of pop culture. Uh, if you want to check out uh, Sam's channel on YouTube, great reviews, lots of fun stuff there. Where would you direct people? Um, well, first of all, thanks for having me back on. I really enjoy doing these. They're a lot of fun. Um, and I don't have to host, which is great because I, I hate <laughs> hosting podcasts. So I always, always mess it up. Uh, you can find me uh, on YouTube. Just type Sam's channel. It's some ridiculous Earl that it was like Sam two four five four. A whole bunch of numbers when I first joined. Uh, just type Sam's channel. You'll find you'll find all the stuff you need. Um, Twitter. You can uh, follow me on Twitter at, at Samuel Gavin. Um, and there is also a Facebook page, Sam's channel. If you type it into the search bar you won't be able to miss it. Very cool. Well, we've got a lot in store, so let's get right to it. Of course, we've got uh, reviews coming up of the new movie Get Out. We're also going to talk about the TV show 
Legion that has three episodes. We like to wait at least three episodes before we initially review something. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we're excited to do that. And then we've got a best ever challenge about comic book based television. And of course, we'll have some buried treasure at the end. But first, Andrew, hit us with some Do We Care? Every single week, we choose three topics in Do We Care, except for this week, we have four Do We Care topics. Bonus! In Do We Care, we go over what's going on in the pop culture entertainment world, and we decide, based on the headlines, if we care about them or not. Number one, April 14th, 2017, is the official return of Mystery Science Theater 3000. The cult classic show will have a new jumpsuit host, robot voice actors, and mad scientist, and they will make their deb- debut on Netflix. I absolutely care about this. I was a huge Mystery Science Theater fan. I love what those guys do. Sam, what about you? Uh... I have never ever seen Mystery Science. <gasps> I'm sorry. Oh. Wow. Oh. For shame. <laughs> I know. I know. It's something that I've been meaning to break into. It's never come around. It's like it's 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 on one of one of those like huge lists of things you need. To, I also need to see Twin Peaks. I mean, it, it's it's huge. I will get there one day, but I have not. I've <laughs> not reached it yet. See, Mystery Science Theater for me that was like a huge part of my childhood i can one of my favorite memories of me and my dad from when i was a kid is we would always sit down and listen to pen gillette introducing on comedy central coming up <laughs> next we have mystery science theater 3000 i still have that theme song for the show stuck in my head it's one of my favorite things one are you excited shows. are you excited about the new version like is it appealing to you like i haven't really looked at, you know me i try to stay away from you know knowing sure. as much as possible so yeah i'll watch the first episode when it comes out but um one of the the new host joel is like one of my favorite comedians i think he's super funny he's one of the hosts of the uh nerdist podcast. Yeah, yeah 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 i think he's hilarious and the voice actors they have for the robots now and Patton oswalt is going to be the villain now, you know, they had the mad mm-hmm. scientist. Yep. Perfect casting all around. I think that they have everything going for it to make this just as good, if not better, than the original. Uh, Sam, so will you jump in on the new one, or will you watch some of the old ones? How, you know, what what you know what will be your your um, modus operandi on it? Uh, I will probably be in search for a little bit of context and maybe seek out, you know, a couple of episodes from the original run and then have a look at the new series. I, I usually don't like to... Uh, I, I find it impossible to, for instance, go to the sequel of a movie without seeing the first one. For so, sure. So <laughs> uh, I will probably go out in search of the original run. Well, Sam, on Twitter, I'm going to send you a list of the best of the best episodes of Mystery Science Theater. Good thing is, you don't have... They're not, you know, sequential <laughs> or anything. Thank you. So I'll just send you the best ones. You got to carve out sure. some time though, because each one's like an hour and a half to two well, hours long. Well, yeah, it's long. a full movie. It's a full movie, yeah, exactly. So yeah, yeah, it's but it's a fun little thing, and and you think you of you mean that- I have to set aside time to watch things? <laughs> <laughs> Touche. Uh, all right, uh, what's next on your Do We Care? <laughs> Number two, Donald Glover and James Earl Jones will be the two voice actors, or two of the voice actors, I should say, for the live action remake of the Lion King. James Earl Jones is returning as Mufasa. I I do care about this. I have to say that's a weird decision because if you're going to remake it, I mean, you know, why wouldn't you go a different direction? Try somebody new. It just I'm seems... in complete agreement with you. 
I I know where you're coming from, but then again, a part of my brain is telling me it's James Earl Jones. <laughs> That's true. No, so, he's the man. Yeah. I get it. Um, if, <laughs> there is there can be only one Mufasa in my mind. Sam, and, go ahead and continue with with what we were saying about that. Um, well, if you're gonna remake Lion, and I I don't know why everyone keeps calling it a a, a live action version, because really, if if we're all just doing the animals CGI, then it's surely a form of animation. Um, but of course, that's what all the headlines are, are calling it. Um, if you're going to remake Lion King, why recast the same? I understand that uh, James Earl Jones is heavily associated with Mufasa, and that's kind of like an iconic voice at this point. But I also think that if we're going to remake something, we are opening ourselves to a new interpretation. And logically, with with a new interpretation comes new interpretations of characters, story ideas, voices, etc., etc., so, if they're gonna re, you know, if Mufasa's gonna be in a re in a redone Lion King, I would like to see, you know, it's it's just a great opportunity for uh, some kind of accomplished actor to come in and offer his his own unique interpretation. And if I were John Favreau, you know, if I'm trying to convince the public or the world or whoever I'm selling this film to that my interpretation is a unique one worth telling. I wouldn't cast James Earl Jones again, to be entirely honest with you. And I, I'm sure they will change the story in one or two ways. Um, but I mean, Mufasa, Mufasa is is like Uncle Ben. He he's a he is in some ways a, a, a plot device as much as a character. He needs to die for things to happen. Spoilers for anyone who's never seen The Lion King. I don't know who out there has not seen it. I I, um, I totally agree with you, But you Sam. know what I mean? He's like, so I don't see how they can change it too much. I totally agree. I feel like if... They better change the story a little bit. Otherwise, just use the original recordings. Just use the entire original, you know, voice That's recordings. That's exactly what I was thinking, and, yeah. And do CG instead of, you know hand-drawn animation so i yeah there has to be some purpose in the remake so there is one thing that we don't i don't want us to skim over and that's the fact that they did cast donald glover yeah that could, Simba. Be, that could be interesting i think that he is a rising star even more than he already has been not only for his music endeavors and his stand-ups but also you know his acting prowess that he more than delivered on in atlanta and now he's going to be uh, uh, Lando Calrissian in the Han Solo movie. Yeah, I think there's a memo that's gone out around Hollywood that basically says, hire Donald Glover for whatever project you're doing. And he'll kill it. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> yeah. he is. He's just about in everything these days. Well, what you got next? Number three, Martin. Yeah, he's even in the new Spider-Man. Yes, that's true. That's Good point. That's exactly right. Point. Yeah. Number three, Martin Scorsese says that movies watched at home are a lesser experience than those watched in the theater. This just after he signed a deal to have his next film, The Irishman, be released as a Netflix original. Yeah, now those two things aren't as contradictory as you would think. Uh, on first glance, you'd be like, well, why are you going to Netflix? But here's the thing. Netflix does release movies to the theater now. So that doesn't mean it won't be released to theaters. It just means Netflix is producing it, and it will be available on Netflix as well. Yeah. So if you've noticed, like with the documentaries, they do their documentaries do release to theaters. It's just that you know they're they're produced by Netflix. So uh, that is interesting that he would say that. I also find it supremely interesting that Netflix is getting into the the movie game this intensely. I think they want an Oscar. I think they want 
to to own entertainment I in think that way. They won an Oscar, didn't no, they? No, they've never won the an Square, Oscar. They've the Square won didn't win for best documentary. Mm-mm. No, I don't think so. Oh, I think they they've won plenty of Emmys, but I don't think they've won an Oscar yet. I know they've been nominated at least because I know the Square their documentary was nominated for best. Well, in I the thirteenth is a Netflix movie too, isn't it? That was nominated this year. I can't remember. I know it is on Netflix, but anyways, my point being, it'll be yeah. interesting to see if streaming services can really play a, a big, big player in that game. I mean, certainly they have the money. That's yeah. you know, that's for sure. Yeah, they they have the money. <laughs> they for sure have the money. Um, in terms of uh, movies at home being a lesser experience than uh, in the cinema, um, I don't know. I I just kind of take it as a given. You uh, if you know, I. I if I could choose to watch every single movie that I own on a big screen, I would take it. Um, but I have become so uh, used to it or maybe complacent with it uh, at this point that uh, I don't know. I just kind of take uh, maybe I don't know if I take it for granted as much as I just kind of accept that that's the way things are. You go see a film in the cinema. If you miss it, you see it on a smaller screen later on. I will say that I uh, the theory definitely applies with my experience with Avatar. Not only did I not see it in 3D, I didn't even see it on a cinema screen. Um, I just didn't have any... For some weird reason, I didn't have any interest in going to see it when it came out. And I saw it on the smallest screen possible. Um, and uh, didn't I, I, I saw it and I just kind of thought, yeah, that, that was a movie. <laughs> and, uh, you know, but I can imagine had I seen that on the, you know, huge screen in... I mean, I've never seen an IMAX. Weirdly enough, I've just never gotten around to it. There's many things I haven't gotten around to as we're revealing in this podcast. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm sure if I watched that on the big screen, it would have been a very different story. Mm. Aaron, what do you think about, you know, the movie-going experience? Do you prefer to see stuff in theater, or do you like the tranquility and solitude of watching something at home? Um, I think, for me... I much prefer the theater experience uh, on a uh, experiential level. Um, there, nothing beats the comfort of home, you know. So, like, that's hard to uh, to get around. Like, I would love just to lay in my bed and you know watch my stuff. But I have experience with this every year when screener time comes around, you know, because a lot of the Oscar movies I see on at home on my small screen instead of on the big screen. Now, I will say I try to see as many as possible on the big screen, but like um, Moonlight, I never got around to seeing on the big screen. I only saw on the, you know, the small screen and yeah. that can have an impact. I think it's a, a much, I've always said it is a much better experience to see something on a, on a giant screen with that kind of care taken with the sound and the visuals uh, as opposed to your own home where we don't calibrate our TVs perfectly. You know, and so the color's off sometimes. Maybe you don't. (laughs) Okay, maybe I don't. (laughs) But you know what I'm saying. I I do. I I understand exactly (laughs) what you're saying. But at the same time, whenever I think of a movie-going experience, I don't think of just, you know, the big screen or the great sound quality. I'm talking about, like, take a Marvel movie or a big blockbuster. Mm -hmm. Don't just hone it into Marvel. A big blockbuster the immersion into the audience around you and feeling a part of that eclectic group for even a few hours, you know, like these people for the next two hours are going to be my best friends because we're all going to be cheering at at parts. We're all going to cry at some parts Mm -hmm. potentially, you know? So I think that that group mentality of going to a theater, that's really what I look forward to the most. 
or going to a movie. Yeah, all that stuff. Yeah, all that stuff is great too. I I agree with you. I I I think the movie going experience is still the better experience. Yeah. Are we ready for the final one? Yeah, bring it on. Our little uh, dessert for Do We Care this week, a fourth topic. You know, for the last couple weeks, we've been talking about the DCEU and what's going on with the Batman, you know, how that's... The Batman. The Batman. Uh, Matt Reeves did say that he's going to be the director, but you know what? We're not going to be talking about the Batman this week. Well, good. But we are going to be talking about the DCEU and something potentially <laughs> exciting. What happened? There's going to be a Nightwing movie. I, you know, I've heard like rumblings of this just because I check Twitter all the time, and uh, I... I gotta say, I don't care. But here's the thing, though. I just don't care. But here's why th- I think this is going to be interesting. It's going to be directed by Chris McKay, <laughs> who just did the Lego Batman. Oh. So that's why it's our Do We Care. So there's going to be a serious, dark DCEU Nightwing movie based on the guy who just gave Are us sure Lego Batman. Are you sure it's not Lego Nightwing? No, <laughs> live-action, dark, gritty. What do you think, Sam? You've obviously had a, a reaction to this. <laughs> Uh, I I uh, I must be like one of the few people online that didn't absolutely love the Lego Batman movie with every fiber of my being. I thought it was a, a good movie, um, but I thought there were there were some elements that I was kind of taken out of. I didn't really buy into the story, and I thought its execution was pretty poor. We're not talking about that, but in terms of the director and uh, his association with Robin, I actually thought that Robin was one of the weaker elements of Lego Batman. Um, because it was just kind of the same joke we've seen before, just kind of doing the campy, wimpy, slightly pathetic version of Robin. I know he wins. He wins the whole. He wins us all over by the end, and he's kind of meant to be an innocent, naive soul that you love. Um, but it didn't really feel like, in particular, Dick Grayson. And Dick Grayson is the character who does eventually go on to become Nightwing. That those are no other Robins. Um, and I just think that, well, first of all, Chris McKay is an animation director. Um, as far as I'm aware, the only previous experience he really has is Robot Chicken. Yeah. And it's all uh, it's all comedy stuff. I mean, look, if they want to make a Nightwing movie that is uh, that keeps that character intact, where he's kind, he's quite serious, but there's a bit more levity to him. You know, there's a reason he never becomes Batman. Uh, I like the character of Dick Grayson quite a bit, and I felt he was done a little bit of a disservice in the Lego Batman movie. And I have trouble saying that because, really, how how seriously can you judge a Lego Batman movie for its faithfulness to the source? I mean, that's not really why I went to go see it, but there was uh, something in terms of the, the um, you know the respect paid towards that material that didn't quite bode well for me, and it very much feels like. I, I, first of all, I don't like the idea of just skipping past all the Robin stuff because to me that's, you know, part of the Nightwing idea is that it's a payoff for everything that we've been following Dick Grayson through. Um, and, you know, I is it bad that I want to see Robin in, in you know, his, his green and, and red and yellow outfit? I, mean, <laughs> I don't know. It, it feels very much like they just... It, it's a very Warner Brothers decision. They couldn't do the young, optimistic... Kind of slightly serious kind of teenage version of the character that's dressed in in colors and is you know brings brings hope to goth to batman's world and all that kind of stuff they've just cut straight to nightwing and i just think that's less of an interesting kind of it's an, less of an interesting story to me and uh i just it it feels very much like well we want to do robin but 
we don't have the guts to do something that has god forbid color in it so we're just going to cut straight to the nightwing stuff and i'm i'm not for it and i don't think chris mckay is i don't think he feels like the right director for that not only has uh, to my knowledge not only has he not done live action before but he's only had an experience in comedies um and kind of like cutaway gags and 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 things like that so um it very much feels like warner brothers pinning down any type of filmmaker they can possibly get that has any kind of association with that character because at this point they're desperate because no one wants to make movies for them everyone is <laughs> running away because they know what's going on even ben affleck is trying to run away at this point and he can't get he can't catch a break so yeah, yeah. that's what i think i uh i i like i said i really don't care when these movies come out i'll see them and i'll make my decision then what do you think andrew we really haven't heard from you on this one so nightwing uh dick grayson is my all-time favorite dc comic book character He's my all-time favorite hero. I love him so much. I think his story is fascinating because he's he's pretty much he's Batman, except he's not a billionaire. And so I think is that's that a good? But is that a good thing or a bad thing for I this? I think it's a good thing. I okay, think it's a good all thing. right. Well, I'm just I'm just warning you. The more you're invested, the more it could be an awful thing. Oh, don't get me wrong. I don't think that the, <laughs> just because I'm excited about a movie doesn't mean that it's automatically going to be good, right. especially with the DC live action movies now their animated films on the other hand are great i mean how awful would you feel if in the course of one you know uh, like a year or so you got a bad version of the dark tower and a bad version of nightwing like you, <sighs> like your life would be over man it would be pretty brutal it would be pretty brutal i'm so nervous about the dark tower i know but you are going into this i know like uh with what sam was saying with uh, why are they starting with Nightwing already? Well, they kind of uh, co- uh, box themselves in a corner because there's already they've already shown that Jason Todd was already uh, a Robin in the Batman v Superman, right? Dawn of Justice. They already showed that that storyline happens. So potentially they're on their in the third, vaguest way possible. In the vaguest way possible, <laughs> yes. exactly. Yeah. So potentially they're already have. Damien as a Robin so Nightwing has or Dick Grayson has been Nightwing for a while in this universe so he's already over there in Bloodhaven he's doing his own thing he's potentially not even with Batman at this point so yeah I just I I I don't buy into any of it (laughs) we'll see I'm all waiting I just don't it's all backtracking I don't buy that Ben Affleck's Batman would ever have had a Robin in the first place yeah it's weird with the way that I mean they're just playing catch up so hardcore. Just it's it's hard for for me to understand what's going on over there. Yeah. So I just watch each movie individually and I go, okay, that was something, you know. That's why I'm saying clean slate the whole thing. Just start yeah, from scratch. The thing is, right. it's gotten it, yeah, it's gotten to the point now that even if one is is uh, say let's say good and it's surprisingly good. That doesn't give me hope for the rest of the series. That I that's going to just look like a, a diamond in the rough to me. Yeah, yeah, I'm right there with you. Very cool. That's going to wrap it up for Do We Care. Very nice. All right, we'll move on to our first review of the movie Get Out. You got your toothbrush. Check. Do you have your deodorant? Check. Do you have your cozy clothes? Got that. What? Do they know I'm black? Should they? You might wanna, you know. Mom and Dad, my black boyfriend will be coming up this weekend. I just don't want you to be shocked that he's a 
<laughs> Get Out is the dire- uh, the directorial debut of Jordan Peele, who you may know from uh, Key and Peele. It is not comedy, however. At all. Uh, at least not on the surface. Uh, it is, uh, what, suspense thriller, I would say. I wouldn't even say a horror movie. I'd no. say suspense thriller. Uh, it's the story of Chris and his girlfriend, Rose, and what happens when they reach the meet the parents milestone of dating. She invites him for a weekend getaway upstate. At first, Chris reads the family's Overly accommodating behavior is nervous attempts to deal with their interracial relationship, but as the weekend progresses, a series of increasingly disturbing discoveries lead him to a truth that he could never have imagined. This is uh, Get Out. It stars, I'm going to try this, Daniel Kaluuya? Kaluuya. Kaluuya. Okay, Daniel Kaluuya, who was great in Black Mirror. So good. That was actually, um, that was the second episode ever, right, of Black Mirror? Uh, it was the bicycle episode. I think that's yeah, number two. I think that was. One. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he's uh, kind of front and center here with uh, Allison Williams, who you may know from Girls, yeah, uh, as as his girlfriend, and uh, they they're kind of at the center of this thing. But I guess we'll just start where we usually do. And by the way, I should mention Sam has not seen the movie, um, and so Sam will be interjecting any questions he might have uh, for us as we talk about this. But let's start with: Did you like it? Love it? It was okay. Disliked it or hated it? Do you want to start? Sure, I'll start. Okay, I strongly liked it. Yeah, almost loved it. Um, this is a really well done suspense thriller. I was really impressed with uh, Jordan Peele's uh, directing ability in this and the way he pulled off some of these shots. So I go with really liked it. Okay, I can't say I loved it. I really liked it though. All right, good. So we're on the same same page. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's a lot of good stuff in this movie. Uh, I'll just go ahead and throw this one out there right now. Daniel Kaluuya gives. One of the best suspense th- thriller performances of all time, right? Yeah, it's incredible. Like, sh- like this guy could potentially—I don't know if this. Do you think this is an Oscar-worthy performance? Only no, only because of the genre. Oscar just yeah. does not pay attention to this genre usually, but it is—it is quality-wise that good. What he's asked to do, and he's not the only one giving an incredible performance here. Yeah. Some of what these other, uh, even some of the minor actors and actresses are asked to do to portray um, is really intense and different than other acting performances, and uh, it's just, I thought some of that stuff was incredible Yeah. in the acting department. I also really liked the visuals of yeah. this as well. Uh, I think he has a really good eye for a lot of that stuff. Jordan Peele, or are you talking about Daniel Kaluuya? No, I'm talking about Jordan Peele. Yeah. About the way he would frame things, the way he would, you know, lead you to something. Um, again, we're not going to give anything away spoiler-wise, but no. uh, there are some some moments that really pay off, both visually and intellectually, uh, in this movie. Yeah. Um, another pro that I had, I'm just we're going to do pros first, and then we'll get into cons later, as sure. we always do. Uh, I'm glad, and this isn't a spoiler, really, um, but I'm glad that the main protagonist in this, Daniel, had a head on his shoulders because there's so many cliched horror films that you see where the main actor is like, "What? Why are you doing that? Why are you? This is obviously the wrong thing to do." He's a smart protagonist, and that's something I really appreciated, and it's something that needs to happen more in horror films. I agree. Or, or suspense thriller. I, I say. I agree. To a point, and I want to talk about it when we talk about our cons, because uh, while I agree that the the characters make good choices, I don't necessarily agree that the movie isn't without its silliness. It has some moments of things that did not make sense to me, which I probably won't be able to explain until we get into spoilers in yeah. the spoiler cast. But, um, but yeah, I'll talk about that here in a bit. What else did you like? 
you don't see horror films slash suspense thriller where it actually deals with an interesting social statement behind it. Yeah. This is one of the first I've seen or can remember anyway. What about you? Uh, it's happened many times. Um, there, you know, you think of, uh, I'm trying to think, uh, like the exorcist, you know, has a lot to do, uh, with feminism and with people making choices for women. Uh, you think of, um, oh, what's the one, ah, Stepford wives. Yeah. Stepford wives is another one that kind of deals in that realm. But the way that this handles racism, I thought was really, the metaphor was, uh, was dead on. It was very interesting. And it wasn't overhanded. They weren't saying all white people are evil. And no. it could have very easily done that. And I mm-hmm. think that Jordan Peele was like, I don't want to make that movie. So the way he dealt with it was very well done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I, that was probably my favorite part of the movie was the way it handled the racial metaphor, um, you know, those kind of things. I thought that was that was really well done. What else do you have? Um, I thought the, the mystery was great um the the way he w- he left breadcrumbs for what was going on uh was really good and i i will admit i did figure a lot of it out pretty early um not me yeah no but in when i say that that's not a knock on something that just means something clicked with me and for whatever reason i kind of understood what was going on because it just continued to make more sense um but i thought it was it was done very well so that uh, it it's weird to say, but I, I don't feel like it's necessarily obvious what's going on. I think I just got lucky and thought, you know, my brain fired in a certain way, and I was like, oh, I see what's happening here. Okay. But um, but I, I really love the mystery of it, so I thought that was good. Uh, that's it for pros for me. I have some cons. What about, Do you have any more pros you want to mention before we move no, on? No, before we move on to cons, Sam, any thoughts, any questions you have so far about what we've talked about? Uh, the only one I've really got is uh, I was just looking into the production uh information about it and it says they shot it last february so clearly this has been a while in the edit is there do we have any know-how about why it's taken so long or is it just assumed that it's because it's an indie production and and that's why it's taken so long to find release yeah i think it's probably that um i think there's so many things that can happen there was another movie that came out this weekend that was a very troubled movie which was collide uh, which has like Anthony Hopkins and Ben Kingsley and um, Felicity Jones and these people. Well, it, it was made in two, like early 2015, and originally the release date was supposed to be in 2015, and they've like pushed it back like four times. Uh, I, this doesn't strike me as a movie like that. I think right. you, they just kind of followed their path and followed their journey. I don't. I don't think there were any of you know like rumors of. Uh, you know, that they had to fix things or anything with this. But I don't know, because I don't necessarily pay a lot of attention to that stuff. But did you hear anything like that, Andrew? No, not really. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I assume that, you know, I don't know if Jordan Peele had, like, because maybe he was wrapping up the last season of Key and Peele, he couldn't really stick to the editing bay or something like that. I'm just spitballing Well, he was poss- also last year for a lot of last year doing press on Keanu and that yeah. kind of stuff too. So he's a busy dude for sure. And I don't want to, this isn't, this is just a possibility, but maybe since this was his first directorial debut, maybe he wasn't as well versed in the editing bay. So maybe he wanted to take his time with it. Oh, I'm sure that's part of it that he wanted to, to make sure he put the right thing out there. Yeah. Well, what else do you have? Do you have, what are your cons? 
Actually, one of my cons is the editing. I thought that there were parts where the cutting from scene to scene was a little too sharp and it didn't really smoothly transcend into the next scene. I thought, Mm -hmm. like, oh, we're just, okay, we're here now. So um, maybe that's just, you know, uh, not really being too experienced in that, but I could... Well, I will say I didn't notice it, so... Really? Yeah, no, it didn't stand out to me. There were one or two scenes that really... Oh, okay, so this is happening now, so... I already mentioned my main negative, and really my only negative uh, is I do feel like there are a couple moments of convenience in this movie, not necessarily dealing with uh, what the actors, you know, choose to do, but kind of the situation that they're in uh, feels a little bit like why... that. That wouldn't happen that way. I know I'm being, you know, abstract because I don't want to give anything away. But um, but stay tuned for the spoiler cast if you want. And I'll go into <laughs> full detail. Um, so, and the only other thing was the racial metaphor. As much as I loved it, there were moments where I felt like, is this a little too on the nose? You know, like a little just, you know, it wasn't preachy at all. There's nothing preachy about it. But it just felt like, um, and here's what it is. It goes from metaphor to satire and satire is a different thing and this movie is at points and through a lot of it very much satire which is a little more pointed a little deeper a little and so that kind of stuff because i was looking at it more surfacey maybe is the stuff that felt on the nose but i don't know if that's really a con are you talking about parts in the movie where characters are like trying to prove how not racist they are is that what you're talking about uh no i'm more talking about the actual plot of the movie oh okay is a is a it just feels a little bit the it could have been a little more subtle but i don't think it wanted to be and i'm actually not willing to take points off for that because i think it did what it wanted to do which was to be more pointed to be more satire in that way uh my one last thing and i'm just going to wrap this up in my cons as well okay is um i felt that some there were some parts of the movie where the pacing could have been a little bit faster um like there were parts where the suspense i kind of died down a little too much for me and then it had to you know kind of ramp it up again instead of you know keeping a little eeriness throughout the entire thing uh just a little bit of just speed it up just a little bit and that would have potentially made it a loved it for me uh my one last thing is that bradley whitford could be in every movie from here on out for the end of time and i would be happy i love that man Uh, he just makes me happy (laughs) i'm not even sure i'm not even sure it was a great performance by him in this i think it was good but I just, for whatever reason, when he's in a movie, I'm just like, yes, I love that dude. <laughs> Do you have somebody like that? Where it's just like, you know, e- even if their performance isn't great, you're just like, I like the way they talk. I like the way they say things. Idris Elba is probably one oh, of those guys for me. Uh, oh, he's so good. But um, yeah, I was like, hey, Josh Lyman, it's good to see you again, man. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. Any Anything else from you, Sam, about this? I'm afraid not. I'm really looking forward to seeing it. Uh, you guys have definitely sold it to me, and uh, yeah, sounds like a sounds like one to check out. Sam is a uh, suspense thr- thriller slash horror. Is that a genre that you really uh, like, or is it something you kind of steer clear of? Or um, it's not one that I necessarily avoid. I usually, I mean, I'll gravitate more towards thrillers and kind of suspense uh, films over full-on horrors i'm a bit of a wimp at the cinema but um i mean i loved uh 10 cloverfield lane um last year i thought that was really great um so i usually i usually just hold off until i hear that they're good um because it's very easy for those that movies lumped into the horror genre to kind of just pass you by um because an awful lot of you know 
half-heartedly made ones are produced each year so you never know and i i should you know not downsell i i mentioned it is suspense uh, thriller more than horror but it is rated r and it you know it does take advantage of that rating with some of the violence and different things so you know unlike uh 10, sure. 10 cloverfield lane or even split earlier this year which were pg-13 in suspense thriller you know kind of stuff um it it kind of goes into that a little more. I think the question I have for you, Sam, is about uh, the main actor, uh, Daniel Kaluuya, who is obviously a British actor who was in, you know, Black Mirror the first season. I, have you seen him in other stuff uh, over on over in uh, the UK? I have seen him before, and I want to say that I did see that episode of Black Mirror. I just can't remember for the life of me anything about his performance. Um, but I definitely recognize him. I'm sure he's in half a dozen movies i'm just looking into it because um, i couldn't i i don't remember seeing him oh any... yes he's in uh, he's in sicario oh okay he's the, he's the uh the black cop friend in sicario okay um f- funnily enough he's the black one <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah no i remember him being quite good in that but that's a mu- much much smaller role apparently he's going to be in black panther yeah i saw that he was going to be in black yeah. panther and i also loved i there are sometimes uh, when British actors do an American accent, and you just—it's just perfect. And this was one of those times. I—I yeah. I could find no flaw in his American accent right. in this movie. It was great. I think it, it probably has something to do with the fact that we are so exposed to to kind of Western culture and stuff on TV that we just kind of naturally pick it up. Yeah. I just thought of something, and uh, I want—I'm curious to get both of your thoughts on this. So, I could remember in the early 2000s early to mid to even late 2000s like or 2010 i should say um where horror and suspense thriller was one of the worst genres there was no good movies coming out with movies like this get out it follows the babadook uh split do you think that we're in a resurgence of really good horror films coming to the cinemas now I think there were, we're definitely in a resurgence of understanding the power of suspense in, above gore, because yeah. I think for a long time horror movies descended into gore, and it, it led us to all the way to the Saw movies, you know, yeah. the torture porn kind of stuff. And that's what I'm talking about. And and so I, I think now that that a lot of directors are going, oh, you know where the the greatness in the genre was was in the suspense. Yeah, we're definitely seeing a, a resurgence in that, and I am so glad. Yeah. Sam, did you have anything yeah. on that? Well, what's the uh, the quote by James Cameron? Uh, gore, uh, gore creates disgust rather than terror, and uh, so I definitely think we're on the up and up. Is that going to wrap it up for Get Out? I yeah. think you and I both highly recommend. it. Yeah, I think it's a recommend, um, especially especially if you love suspense. Yeah, um, I think it's a recommend. Well right. done, well done, Jordan Peele. On to Legion. David, your whole life people have told you you were sick. I'll show you that it was really just a lie. The human race beginning to evolve. The divisions were created by our government to track and study people like you. And the ones they can't control, they kill. Legion is a new TV show on FX, uh, three episodes in. It's about David Holler, and he's a troubled young man who was diagnosed with schizophrenia as a child. And now in his early 30s, he finds himself institutionalized 
After a startling encounter with a new inmate, David confronts the possibility that the voices he hears and visions he sees may be real. Uh, this is from the X-Men universe. Yep. Uh, and I got to tell you, again, I don't pay attention to a lot of stuff beforehand, but the only reason I knew that initially was because the O in Legion is the X, is the X you know, uh, style O. And um, <laughs> I have to say, uh, right off the bat, um, man, this is one of the most stimulating, interesting, crazy shows i have seen in a long time and uh I th- i'm really gonna enjoy having this conversation with you guys kind of see where you guys land on even just these first three episodes sam let's start with you um how are you feeling about legion uh i was completely taken back by it i mean i haven't been anticipating this series um i i mean of fox and uh well kind of what they're doing with the x-men seems very um, Ill, they ill-defined almost at this point because there's no communication going on between any of the projects going on in that studio. Um, not that they haven't put out good uh, material, but just that there's no, you know, no one's talking to each other. And what really surprised me with Legion is that it, for the first time, really feels like someone's actually taken from that universe and done something really kind of artistically bold and brave with it. Yeah. I mean, it's weird. It's quirky. Um, it doesn't feel like kind of anything we've really seen before. Um, and uh, as someone who knows nothing about Legion as a character or, you know, anything surrounding him outside of things I've heard, and I won't say anything um, because I believe the series is either going to not say anything or hold off on the information later on in the series as a reveal Um, because you just hear things from people that have read the comics and they just say it like everyone knows it so it possibly ruins something for you but either way um, uh, yeah as someone completely unexposed to that that stuff this stuff before I'm really surprised it's uh, it's really good I think after the first episode I I wasn't sure I was going to like this show. Really? Um, yeah, the first I, I loved the visual stuff. By the end of the third episode, I'm pretty sure I'm going to love this show. I'm still not 100% sure, but it's just that kind of show where it leaves so much to be discovered that you're not like my brain is still trying to play catch up and because i'm not familiar with the character either yeah you know um i was really confused after the first episode with a lot of stuff that had happened and was going on some of that stuff has cleared up a little bit yeah. in episode two yeah, and so three um and as it the more it clears up the what's more interesting I love the is show. actually i went back and watched i actually went back and watched the pilot uh, again because uh, i introduced my flatmate to it and actually it it made complete sense to me this time. Uh, it's a it's a very dense episode, um, but going back and watching it again it actually makes complete sense to me. At least now that I know how things work, episode two clears things up quite a bit. Um, and if you go back and watch the pilot, it should make more sense. Yeah, I bet it does. Andrew, what are some of your thoughts? Right off um, the bat, I love it. I really do love it. Um, uh, more than you guys, I have a little bit more knowledge on this character. I guess. Um, Granted, I am more of a DC guy. I've said that a million times, so I'm not... I don't know everything about him, but I'm liking how 
and this is going to sound like an oversimplification, but I'm liking how this is actually starting to feel like Mr. Robot set in the Marvel Universe. That's a, it's a great comparison, I think. So, um, I, you yes. said earlier, and th- it was almost word for word what I had written down in my <laughs> notes, but I said that this is one of the most thought-provoking, mind-bending comic book shows ever. Yeah. And I'm loving it. It's great. This is for Dan Stevens, who's playing our... Yeah, let's character. talk about him for a second. He, This is one of the most... They are asking so much of him in this performance, but he's delivering in every single episode so far. Yeah. Really I, well done. I, I gotta be honest. I yeah. never saw this coming while watching Downton Abbey. I, I never saw... Like, he is so good in Downton Abbey and what he's doing there yeah. that I just thought that was probably part of him. But yeah. he is so different in this that it's like, oh, no, he's just an amazing actor. Yeah, and he's going to be playing Beast in Beauty and the Beast coming up. Wow. So, yeah. Uh, another big thing that I'm loving about this is him and Rachel Keller, their chemistry on screen is through the roof. Brilliant. Loving yeah. that. And, yeah. What about you? Um... Yeah, I think for me the main pros are the the fresh take on kind of the X-Men universe which Sam kind of mentioned a little bit that it feels like we're going into that universe in a way we never have. Uh I love Dan Stevens. I also love that it as confused as I was after the first episode, I love that it doesn't spoon-feed the audience. I'm all for all. yeah, I'm all for letting the audience figure it out. They threw away the spoon. You're <laughs> <laughs> That's right. The food is somewhere in the room and the lights are out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Go find it. Um yeah, so I, I love all that stuff. And and I guess the best thing I can say about the show is I'm so excited to learn more. I'm yeah. so excited to learn more about what's going on here and who he is and and what is real and what isn't and you know because you talk about Mr. Robot and the genius part of the genius of that is that he is an unreliable narrator right like yeah. you're seeing the world from his perspective but you don't know what's real and yes. what's not and that's I feel like that's the same with this guy and so it's yeah I'm I'm interested to see what happens and where it goes and I think that's why I was comfortable making that comparison Ab- is because absolutely. you're like I don't know what he's saying or the people they keep saying like well, you're not sick. It's your abilities. But a part of me is saying, yeah, I maybe, think, I maybe. think he's sick and has abilities. Yeah. Like, is that where we're going? Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. Yeah, I wonder about that <laughs> stuff. Uh, what, what about you, Sam? What's great is that, um, what's, well, actually, on your point about Mr. Robot, I mean, it's the kind of, I love the, the stylistic approach to the editing and the direction. Create it, 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 it kind of causes an introspection into the character's psyche. Um and it plays into those themes as well of what the X-Men are about, like kind of persecution and identity. I love the the dialogue in the first episode where uh, Sid kind of says, you know, what if you're not ill? What if this is just who you are? What if it makes you you? Um, and I'm really kind of fascinated in the idea that maybe David was a completely sane uh, chap at one point who had these abilities and either through being tormented by this stuff his whole life or through the fact that so many people for so long have told him that he has schizophrenia has kind of caused his mental state to deteriorate in some way because he's just gone he's just his mind has just been so manipulated in that way by not only his abilities but by the society around him and how people perceive him it's a really fascinating idea and i'm really excited to see 
where we go from here. And actually, it's funny, we were talking about suspense thrillers. Episode 3 is creepy as hell. Yeah, the devil with the yellow eyes and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, there's some really... Yeah, creepy stuff going on here or for sure. Wh- what is it? The world's most angriest boy. Yeah, the world's angriest boy. Or oh man, yeah. that, that stuff's creepy. Yeah. Do you have any negatives? I don't. None of us have mentioned any negatives yet. I have one. Just one. Just, <laughs> just, just one. one. Uh-huh. Uh, I feel the show could pick up the pace a little bit. <laughs> I'm loving how they pick keep... up the pace. Okay, li- li- listen. I'm I... trying to keep up. So, I'm I'm <laughs> loving how. <laughs> Um, I'm loving how it does have, you know, vibes of Mr. Robot, how you can't trust and you're trying to figure stuff out. Yeah. But we're moving on to episode four and I still don't have any more information than what I did in the pilot. Feed me one thing. You don't, th- you don't thing. feel like you're getting information in these episodes? I feel like I'm getting information, like new yeah. information. Maybe it's just because I had knowledge going into this. I think it might be. I think I'm it like, might be. Okay, so I know this. And I have an idea of who this character is. I think, I think that's right. I think some of the knowledge you had beforehand is knowledge that we're getting in these episodes that okay. doesn't feel like new knowledge to you. Okay, that, that's potentially it. So maybe that's something we can discuss. Do you, you think that people who have prior knowledge of this character, uh, because I don't know if anybody in our chat or maybe somebody uh, who's listening to this uh, not live, but do you think that people who know this character are going to be enjoying this show for people who don't have any knowledge of this character? Yeah, I don't know. What, I mean, do you, I, what do you think, Sam? I'd agree with you, Andrew, actually, that, um, you know, uh, I I could you do with a little more context in terms of what's outside of, you know, the bubble that our main characters are in. I mean, um, is it Melanie, the, the character's name, who I really like? I like that she's not just some invincible robot that just knows everything. Like She can be scared and she can be hurt. Um, I'd like a bit more context. I mean, she says we're at war, and it you can kind of guess as to what she means, but you don't really know what she means. I don't entirely understand who the bad guys are. I'm sure that's something they will reveal further as we go, and I, I do appreciate that the series... In terms of nar- narrative perspective, is solely focused on David um, and his and his experience uh, in the story. Uh, but I I'm starting to crave a bit more information outside of just what's going on for the main characters, like uh, socially and politically. In some way, I, I mean, I don't really know. First of all, I'm not too sure. I I don't think the show wants us to really consider it a part of the x-men movie universe i mean it, it no. feels very much like it's trying to distance it yeah. itself from that and i think that's a good idea in some ways um but it's like i don't know how kind of segregated mutants are uh, in society and interestingly i watched it with my flatmate and he asked what time period it was set in because uh, there's very much a kind of retro 70s type of uh, aesthetic going on which, again, I appreciate because it's something different, but it did cause me to question, are we in, like, what time period are we in? I, you know what? I, I just assumed we were in the 70s by the way they were dressed and the styles of the, like, the decor and also the fact, like, nobody has a cell phone or anything. Like, I just, I just figured we were in the 70s. Yeah. They could definitely do with a little bit more world building if they do decide not to tie themselves to the Marvel slash X-Men cinematic universe. Another thing... I think that the visual effects in the show are better than some of the X-Men movies. (laughs) They're good. 
I mean, yeah, no, that's true. <laughs> it's shocking how good they are sometimes. I'm like, wow, you did that on a television show. I I really don't have any negatives. I I thought about you know maybe it gets a little silly at times for me. You know that dance number, the Bollywood was, dance, yeah, number. was a little strange. But I loved it. But I loved, loved it. it. That's what I'm saying. I loved it too. Like I don't, you know, oh, I really enjoyed that. Yeah, I did too. So I I don't even think that's a legit negative. I I'm I'm really. Uh, the only negative I have probably actually relates to what you were saying about releasing information is I'm just still a little confused. Like I, I, but I think that's okay because I think they're going to tell me what I need to know as, as they progress. Maybe, I don't mind being a little confused. Maybe if they decide not to give us more information on David himself, just build the world around him and mm-hmm. we can learn more that way. If you learn more about the world, you can learn more about him potentially. Yeah. So. Yeah, it could be. So overall, though, it sounds like a recommend from all three of us. Oh, yeah. Uh, This is not a show you can watch in the background. Absolutely. Before we head on to our best ever challenge for this episode, just a word uh, about supporting us on Patreon. If you go to patreon.com slash studio DNA, it will directly support this podcast and what happens here uh, for just $3 a month. You can have access to your own podcast feed that has uh, exclusive episodes that don't appear in the regular podcast feed. Uh, so that's an awesome thing. I also wanted to let you know about, and by the way, thank you for your support there, Patreon. I also want to let you know if you're thinking about watching, uh, if you're hearing this before the Oscars air on Sunday night, uh, we're going to be doing a Sif Pop online Twitter Oscar party. So uh, we would invite you to get your picks in for the Oscars. Uh, if you follow me on Twitter, you should be able to follow everything that's going on. Just look for Aaron Dicer, A-A-R-O-N-D-I-C-E-R. Uh, we've already got, I think, 35 entries into the uh, into the pool, so it'll be fun to see who knows who's going to win the Oscars. And then, of course, we'll all be tweeting together during the show and having a good time. So, and I think look you forward and, to that. I think you and I only, would you say, three different picks? That was all you and I had? Mm-hmm. It was different? Yeah. So going to come down to just those for us yeah uh that's assuming that we're right about the you know enough of those i have i have no <laughs> presumptions <laughs> that i'm going to be anywhere near the top uh in guessing on this stuff uh of course for sam the oscars will be airing what from like 11 p.m to 3 a.m or something like that uh, <laughs> something ridiculous <laughs> yes, yeah. absolutely uh, but we would love for you to join us. Again, follow me on Twitter for all of the fun, and you'll see the link uh, to get in your picks. All right, on to the best ever challenge, guys. Uh, these are the best ever, uh, I was going to say movies, but in this case, television shows yeah. uh, in a particular category. We will each go over our top three, counting down from number three to number one. The category this week is comic book-based television. Uh, could be live action, could be animated, just any TV show based on a comic book. By the way, if somebody mentions at a lower number something you have higher on your list, Trump. all you got to do is say Trump, and we'll talk about it when we get to it on your list. We'll also do some honorable mentions at the end. Got a lot of them. Uh, let's start with Sam. What do you got at number three? Uh, Jessica Jones is my number three. Trump, Trump, Trump. <laughs> Trump, Trump. I had it as an honorable mention. Did you? So now I'm down to 10 honorable mentions instead of 11. <laughs> All right. Uh, What's your number three? My number three is... Wait, so we so how does... Remind me how Trump works again. <laughs> <laughs> 
you know how many people have asked that question recently? <laughs> Remind me how Trump works again. <laughs> um, Boom. Uh, here's how Trump works. It means I've got it higher on my list, so we'll wait to talk about it until then. It allows us to talk about it with the highest ranked uh, person. Yeah. So then it doesn't feel sure. weird talking about it again later. Uh, my number three is X-Men the Animated Series. Right, down, um, down to nine. Or, yeah, nine honorable mentions now. <laughs> that was one of your honorable mentions as well? Yep. I there. It's hard to explain how much I loved this show. And I was even a little out of its target demographic. I was in high school when it started. But it was just... it. I had never really experienced the X-Men and understood what they were and the idea of mutants until this. And I, I am on record, if not before now, as saying X-Men is the most important and interesting comic book property in existence. Because of the uh, social implications. The social implications wow. and the expanse of the universe, of the idea of what it just means to have mutants um and you know because it the way the powers work and maybe it's just the way that you know this show hit me but to really look at you know these characters and you know gambit and nightcrawler and just you know to understand oh these cool powers and i just never thought about it that way that is the best incarnation of gambit by the way in yeah. that show yeah was that 94 Four through ninety six, somewhere around there. I think it was like ninety two through ninety five, something okay. like that. Yeah. All right, my number three. Yeah, Netflix. the animated series was my first exposure to X Men. Yeah, me too. Yeah, me as well. Um, I watched it before I even read a single X Men comic book. So very cool. Number three for me, Netflix's Daredevil. Nice. Talk about it a little bit. Uh, I'm gonna see Gavin. You didn't trump that or anything. So <laughs> okay. With that audio audio delay, I had to make no. sure. <laughs> All right, so yeah, um, <laughs> coming off of whenever I was younger, seeing the Ben Affleck Daredevil movie and how they just totally butchered that character and how they ruined it for Netflix to come in and make it one of the most exciting, thrilling, and the way that uh, Charlie—I'm I'm forgetting his name, the actor's name—but the way he portrays that character is brilliant. I love every single actor and how they portray the characters the guy who plays foggy in that show is great i love um deborah ann wall i love her character um he kind of has if there is anybody in the marvel universe who is close to the mentality of batman i think it's daredevil because the way he it doesn't matter if he's broken or shattered or anything he's going to push himself beyond all limits to you know protect people and i love it it's great it definitely made my honorable mentions so uh, i'm glad it actually made your list were you you were a fan of daredevil too weren't you sam i am yeah i less so in season two i had some issues with it i thought season one was uh was really good it's interesting the the series is kind of there are some things i really love about it and some things i don't i think the Marvel Netflix shows need to learn to uh, be shorter. It was a huge problem I had with Luke Cage, and uh, I, I felt the uh, desire to stretch that story out for 13 episodes is exactly what hurt it. Um, and there was a little bit of that in Daredevil, not quite as much. Um, but I uh, really like the cast, um, and I kind of, I really dig the kind of 80s noir type of uh, kind of almost ultraviolet type of um, crime uh, genre kind of style of it. Um, I gravitate towards it quite a bit. And uh, 
the action's very impressive. I mean, in terms of Netflix establish Netflix and Marvel kind of establishing that they can bring these larger than life heroes to a smaller screen. And the fact that they did with, did it with Daredevil, I think, takes a lot of guts because everyone knows Daredevil. He's you know, in terms of the first few superhero movies, he's kind of anyone that doesn't know superheroes or comic books, they still know Daredevil. So for them to put him on the smaller screen, I actually think was quite a, a little bit of a risk. And I thought they did a very good job with it. Awesome. All right, on to number two. What do you got, Sam? I'm going to say my number two is Agent Carter season one. I know it's a bit of a cheat because I'm specifically nailing down one season. No, I think that's that's a great choice. I loved season one of Agent Carter. I actually enjoyed season two as well, but not quite as much as season one. Talk a little bit about why you loved it so much. Um, I, I can't remember if I... I mean, I was looking forward to it, but it became... It became a situation of I had to watch the next episode and I just had to keep coming back. And what I love about it so much is that it, it really is about Peggy Carter and it really and it, it doesn't feel in or inorganic the way she's taken from a side character to a main. Um, and I just love that how season one kind of naturally creates a really lovely um story for her and a, a story that manages to you know it's it, this she goes through a character arc essentially throughout the whole series in learning to let go of uh captain america and you almost don't realize that it's even going to be about that at first um but there's great stuff in how she establishes herself a force to be reckoned with and there's uh the the, the show plays a lot with or it did play a lot with, you know, women in the working world uh, at this point in time. And I really love the idea that Peggy Carter went from, you know, the height of her gain in um, uh, in the first Avenger uh, back down to almost the lowest of the low, at least to her. Um, and she's kind of had to build herself back up because things have changed and the, the working world has changed. And um the stuff with uh, Jarvis and Howard Stark is really well realized. They have a great dynamic, all of them. Um, and just Hayley Atwell is, just brings so much to that character. Yeah, I she's think so she's good. Absolutely brilliant. And quite frankly, with what they do, what they reveal in Civil War, I, I choked because the series got me invested so much in that character, and I felt it really added something. What I love about Marvel is that I think I think that everything pre-Iron Man, all, all that timeline stuff that's supposedly set in the past, feels really well established, and you really feel that in the movies, that there's a sense of history um, to everything that happens, and and I just, it, I was sad to see, you know, them kind of close, close the book on her journey, but I... I wouldn't have felt that way had it not been for the show. I thought they did an excellent job. I totally agree. I love Haley Atwell. I think she's great. I also, I think it bears mentioning. Season one. <laughs> yeah. I, I think it also bears mentioning that Marvel has done such a great job understanding their cin- that their cinematic universe applies to both big and small screen. Uh, I think it's one of the most brilliant things about what they've done is that these TV shows include the same actors and actresses that show up as those parts in the movies. Um, I, I just, I think that's brilliant. And I've, you know, I really love that. What's your number two? My number two is, uh, this may be a surprise, uh, but I just love it so much. It's the flash. I love, oh, knock it off my honorable mentions. I love the flash. And I'm not saying it's <laughs> a perfect TV show. 
I'm not saying it's always supremely well written. Some, you know, that the dialogue is always, you it's know, CW'd. You're right, exactly. But there is so there is no other show on right now uh, that is a you know a comic book show that I most look forward to seeing a new episode pop up, you know, on my DVR. And I, I'm excited to see where the story's going. I'm exciting to you know to check in on uh, what's the, the actor's name? Grant, Grant Gustin. Yeah, Grant He's Gustin. So good. Is so good in that role. And it, I think it's really interesting to mention this after we just mentioned how Marvel does TV and movies. Yeah. I, I'm just like, why? Why wouldn't you take Grant Gustin as the Flash in the DC universe? It just, I... But yeah, it, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I, I just, uh, I, I really enjoy it. I love it. And I love how they have such freedom to completely change what each season is about because of alternate universes and different things and it's complex yet interesting i just i have a really great time with it i thought they were going too into it at first in the first episode when they were not because i was vaguely familiar with the material and when i noticed they were doing reverse flash within the first episode i thought whoa hang on a little hang on a second but uh, the way the show handles time travel in a way that it embraces it so much, that kind of comic book absurdity of different timelines and different universe and different yep. realities. And I just thought it was such a creative way to go with his origin and that it, the, the villain kind of ends up crafting the hero. And it's a really complex and nuanced relationship that I would not have guessed from the first season. And what I love about it so much is that they imply that kind of reverse Flash comes from an alternate timeline f where the Flash is already, like, supposedly more like we know him to be. And we're kind of in an alternate... Re this is kind of the insinuation that I got, that he's kind of made an alternate reality where the Flash's origin is directly tied to reverse Flash and, and having a more troubled upbringing or a more difficult upbringing with his dad in prison and all this kind of stuff. And I just thought, what a lovely way to kind of pursue a unique narrative and differ yourself from previous Flash versions while using it as a story mechanic to explore new ideas with characters and stuff. I thought season one was just brilliantly done. And even though I think the, the writing has really deteriorated over time, it, I really do love that it's the kind of show that can just have some fun. I mean, there's an, uh, an episode in season two when the flash is about to like ask someone out on a date and then he turns around and there's a giant half man half shark that just starts strangling him i mean it's, <laughs> it's that kind of show that just completely embraces the comic book wackiness um and uh, a lot of people say they're uh, in relation to my to a second ago jumping the shark um with their upcoming musical episode but i think it's the perfect venue for it and i'm uh, <laughs> really excited to see how it goes i mean i don't really watch it anymore for the ongoing story but i do still find it quite entertaining but season one i definitely thought was great yeah absolutely what do you got at number two andrew number two batman the animated series i mean there's no way it could not make my list it was a huge part of my childhood one of the main reasons why batman's one of my favorite uh comic book characters ever he's number two right behind nightwing actually um it's man mark hamill is the greatest joker of all time <laughs> i mean it's not even a question people like have debates about it I'm like well it doesn't matter what you think you're obviously wrong because he's the best joker kevin conroy's the best batman it's and i didn't expect even as a young kid i don't think anybody expected whenever i was younger the show to be 
the first season, you know, just sets up like, oh, here's all these characters. But eventually the show actually becomes a good show, not just a good comic book show. It becomes a good show. The voice acting in that just changed the world on how people are thinking. So you can get A-list actors to be these voice, and they will knock it out of the park. Uh, I enjoyed the animated series, the, the episodes I saw. I will say just for the people who are right now screaming at their podcast player the name of Heath Ledger, uh, you know. No. <laughs> You're wrong. <laughs> I, think you, I think you might be right. Yeah, Heath Ledger is a brilliant Joker. He's no Mark Hamill. I'm sorry. Bold statements. Bold from facts. Mr. Wow. Ormsby. Bold facts. <laughs> All right, uh, now for number ones. Yeah, let's do our number ones. Sam, what do you got? It almost seemed like I couldn't pick anything else, but it's uh, it's Spectacular Spider-Man. Uh, has everyone here seen any of Spectacular Spider-Man before? I actually didn't. I actually missed out on Spectacular, Spectacular Spider-Man. Spectacular Spider-Man. I remember the 1990s Spider-Man, and that was in my honorable mentions. Spectacular it's, Spider-Man. It's interesting. It kind of uh, snuck past people, and I didn't. I hadn't even watched it when it was new. Uh, I just kind of stumbled into it, and I know that. I almost didn't want to pick it as number one because I didn't want to be predictable. I know I'm the Spider-Man guy. But, I mean, while, yes, that show... Not only does the show handle very adult notions, um, like, it is so true to the idea that uh, life for Peter Parker is really difficult because he's Spider-Man, but it so well captures the high school dynamic between him and his friends and his difficult uh, life of, you know, trying to not worry Aunt May to the point of her having a heart attack and pay bills and keep a job down and get to school on time and all of that while not dumbing anything down for the kids. It very much feels like it understands its audience, spans a whole range of ages. Um, kids will, kids can enjoy it because of how colourful and enjoyable it is um, and uh, grown-ups can appreciate it for the more kind of... Um, sort of more mature uh, themes and undercurrents. Um, Josh Keaton is a fantastic voice for the character. Really funny and really endearing. Um, you really do strongly relate to uh, Peter Parker in this series. And what I love about it so much, besides the fact that they just nail the relationships and stuff, it is so much fun. And I think that uh, Spider-Man works best in a, in kind of serialized story story scenarios as the comics did really um but i just love seeing you know doc ock appear in one episode and then he goes off and sandman comes in and then they'll they'll team up another time and it's so it's just so much fun and it is always at the service of you know is peter parker gonna make it home on time you know it's it's not always about can he win this battle the, the drama is all in the personal stuff and i think that's the best kind of spider-man material when it recognizes that it's not really about is the villain going to defeat Spider-Man, though there is peril in that. But it's more, you know, is Peter Parker going to keep a hold of his life for dear life? Because he, man, he tries. And uh, you really invest in that, in that struggle. And But yeah, it's just so much fun. It's such an enjoyable series. It got cancelled after two seasons for various network politics and all that kind of stuff i believe it i believe it's because it was it came around the time when disney purchased the rights um uh. they, they transitioned to disney marvel marvel entertainment did um which of course started ultimate spider-man which i hold in far less regard um 
but yeah, I just I, I really love this series, and uh, I don't know if it's necessarily better objectively than the other ones uh, I've I've listed, but I just I find so much enjoyment out of it. It's just such a fun series. Well, you're getting some support in the live chat. Yeah, uh, people chiming in and saying that they agree that it's number one. So. Um, so you're not the only one, even though neither of us have apparently ever heard of it. <laughs> yeah, I feel bad now. I know, I feel like an awful comic book person. <laughs> well, Aaron, we know what your number one you is. You do know you my number it. one is. You, <laughs> you do know it. my number one. My number one is Jessica Jones, uh, so now we can talk about it a little bit. Um, I, David Tennant uh, is probably <sighs> primary reason uh, number one for for that, although I have to say, Absolutely. I have to say the other thing that, that this show does that just floored me was the way it understood the uh, the psychological aspect of their powers, and it was some of the most intense, real-life, authentic-feeling consequence of what powers would look like in a real world that I've ever seen. And I just, I, I bought it hook, line, and sinker through the entire run, and uh, I am so excited to see that character come back. Oh, so. Chris, Kristen Ritter knocked it out of the park. Yeah. But I do think, I agree with you wholeheartedly that David Tennant is the diamond in the rough in that show. He's one of the best. Well, I villains. would say he's the diamond in, amongst the other diamonds, but yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, he's the big, big diamond <laughs> yes. in the sea of little diamonds. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Sam, you also had it on your list. Do you want to say anything about it? I think you nailed it, Aaron. To be entirely honest, I mean, it is it is a great kind of uh, kind of way into seeing uh, superpowers in real life. What I love about Jessica Jones, aside from David Tennant, who I, I got to say I had kind of grown sour towards because he was like always regarded as the the best Doctor Who, and I got very sick of hearing everyone say how attractive he is and all that kind of stuff. So I'd kind of hadn't really seen him in much lately, um, and my God, he is spectacular as um Kilgrave in this i mean he is so evil and funny and in some in a lot of weird ways kind of sympathetic especially towards the end with what you know eventually uh, transpires um but what i love about it is it's not really a superhero show it's almost like the aftermath of almost an attempted superhero uh, scenario where i mean it's it's all about trauma and psychological hang-ups that jessica jones has to has to get past and it somehow finds a way to avoid being just a wannabe kind of emo uh angsty series because she is that kind of character um you know you know hoodies and and uh black clothing and kind of slightly gothic-y um the way that she dresses and she listens to loud kind of grungy rock music Yet they find a way to make it work, and I think it's because of uh, Ritter. She is really great in the role, and I just I, I thought the I just thought the series was great, and I invested. Just I I got so involved in it, um, and I don't think they should do another series because they're not going to top Tenant and that dynamic between Jessica Jones and Kilgrave. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it comes back uh, for sure. Um, but that's my number one. If your number one, Andrew, isn't what I think it is, I will be shocked. Like, completely shocked. It's what you think it is. Okay. It's The Walking Dead. Yeah, of course it is. Man, The Walking Dead is one of my favorite shows of all time. 
Oh man, what Andrew Lincoln does every single week and what Norman Reedus does. <sighs> I love that show. And I know you gave up on it because it got too violent and you didn't think that the show was progressing and in what- It wasn't it wasn't just that it was uh unnecessarily violent. It was that I didn't feel like the show understood what I would enjoy about it uh enough to to keep me invested. So Okay. Uh, there's just so much that I personally love about this. Obviously, the performances are the tour de force. I think that Jeffrey Dean Morgan, they couldn't have cast a better Negan. And the thing that I'm loving about the show is that it truly understands what the comic is about. The Walking Dead is not in reference to the zombies. It's in reference to the survivors. Right, because yeah. they're, they're the dead versions of what they used to be before this apocalyptic event. And I think that it really captures it because... In this show, the zombies aren't the main villains. It's the other survivors and what you turn into after everything you love has been taken away from you. Yeah. Ah, I can't. It's in my top ten shows of all time. I have to say, whether or not in... in, Again, I I have stopped watching it, um, but I don't even think... Even if you don't like the show, uh, it's hard to argue against it being the most successful comic book show. Of all time, yeah. As far as audience, money making, you know that kind of thing. I I can't think of any TV show based on a comic book that has done more, garnered a bigger audience than than The Walking Dead. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Sam, do you have any thoughts on The Walking Dead? Um, I've seen a few episodes. I haven't really followed the series. I think I watched the pilot uh, some years ago, um, and it just didn't really hook me massively. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know if it's to do with the fact that I am not so much into... I'm not a huge zombie guy, but, like, the themes you're talking about are things that I would really kind of respond to. I've I've just... I've heard a lot of people... The second I start the conversation with everyone, they go, okay, watch this season and don't watch this season, and I know I totally did that with <laughs> The Flash and Agent Carter, <laughs> but it is that kind of uh, frustrating scenario where it's like, um, okay, so I, I should check out like series six but not series four and and stuff like that and i instantly just go you know what don't worry (laughs) (laughs) well i think the i think the reason why people say that is because the first season or two seasons was a show run by frank durabont who did like shawshank redemption and show and movies like that yeah i've heard so whenever he leaves and is taken over primarily by the comic book creator robert kirkman the show gets directly into like what it is known as now so it tonally shifts and uh, i think that's what people mean by you can skip this season or the season where they're on the farm and stuff like that it's because the show definitely changes and it really makes you care more about the it becomes a more character central instead of zombie centric show very nicely done uh in the live chat somebody right. asking about fear of the walking dead which i thought was actually pretty awful what did you think andrew not a fan yeah i was hoping that the fear of the walking dead besides it taking place on the west coast as opposed to the east coast is that we would get a more sense of how this outbreak yeah. started and it's basically the same show as the walking dead after within, episode like, two, episodes. two it catches yeah. up exactly i know it's crazy so um i have a lot of honorable mentions all right well let's go in the same order and then whatever we don't pick off you can you can mention but let's go through them quickly sam do you have any uh other shows you want to mention quickly i'll i'll go in and throw in um uh batman brave and the bold um really fun show it's completely celebratory of 
more light-hearted Batman stuff. Uh, I just have a... It's it's respectful while just being a ton of fun. It's And it kind of calls back to those sillier days of the DC stuff. And I personally think that... I, I, I know I might be stepping on some toes here, but aside from, a, a you know, kind of the A-listers, I find it very hard to completely get invested in DC material when they play it so seriously. Um, like Plastic Man... You know, if you try and make him, if you introduce him to me as a serious character, then I'm a bit like, whatever. But if you show him as a fun guy first and show me that he's like a, a fun, eccentric personality, then I am, at least I can enjoy it. And then if you want to tell me there's something more to this character, then I'm open to you right. know, hearing you out. I think that's where they've really gone wrong uh, so far in uh, like kind of DC um, live action movies is that they're, they're, they're not embracing any of the quirks or the charm of those characters and i think for dc there's so it's that that material is is made to be colorful and fun i just think that that's a given and go, almost goes without saying not not that it, it can only be fun but there is meant to be an element of wonder in there and i find none of that in the uh, live action movies but with brave and the bold i mean it, it's fun it's funny it's clever um and uh I mean, the mu- there's an episode with the Music Meister, which I'm pretty certain they're going to do with the Flash. So it's a similar type of thing where they they embrace the whimsical, and now you, how can you not enjoy it? It's just I have a lot of fun with it. Very cool. Uh, here are some of mine. Maybe these will mark some off your list, Andrew. Uh, CW cheese stuff that I still like and watch: Supergirl and Agents of Shield. Uh, even though Agents of Shield mm-hmm. is not on the CW, uh, it kind of feels that kind of has that kind of same cheesy feel to it. Sure. Um, and Shield is Marvel, not DC. It's so. true. Yeah, fair point. Um, also, uh, Agents of Shield primarily comes down to uh, who's the actor that plays um, man name Ghost Rider. No, 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 no. I thought the Ghost Rider stuff was kind of a little weird. The main guy, Coulson. Oh, Agent Coulson, you're talking about uh, Joseph Bayer? Is yeah, that- I think so. He's amazing. I like. I'll just keep watching him because he's so funny. Um, no, 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 no. Uh, Clark Gregg. Yes, Clark that's Gregg. it. That's it. Yeah. Clark Gregg. Yeah. yeah. Um, also, The Tick was the one I wanted to mention. Got to mark The Tick off my list. Uh, that's a lot of fun. Uh, the original, uh, The Incredible Hulk, I think bears a the mention. The Lou Ferrigno. The Lou Ferrigno. Yeah. Bruce Banner. Uh, Smallville, I think, has to be mentioned. I didn't like Smallville. I did. Well, I don't like Superman, so I guess that's why. <laughs> yeah, I didn't like Smallville. Well, fine, guys. What about Lois and Clark? Minority. I didn't have Lois and Clark down there. <laughs> um, uh, nobody mentioned Luke Cage, uh, other yep. than other than to mention it was a little bit long, which I totally agree with, but I would throw it in the honorable mentions because there's some good stuff there. <laughs> yeah. Um, Preacher? Did anybody else like Preacher? Yep, marking that off my honorable uh, mentions. I thought that was actually okay. I, no, I love Preacher. I never sought it. Really love Preacher. You loved it. Yeah. See, I liked it. I don't, I don't know that I'd say I loved it. And the only other one I had is one that I guarantee you would never guess if I gave you 20 guesses. Do I actually get to guess? Sure, go ahead. Guess a few. Is it Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? No. Nope, okay. nope. oh, that, that was on mine. <laughs> 20 guesses. I, the reason is because you would um, never think of it as a comic book show. Dare you. I bet I do, but uh, what is it? Mad TV. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you're right. I would not have thought about it as a comic book show, but you're you're 100% right. Right? Yeah. That's a comic book television show. Yeah, and it was a comics. lot it was a lot of fun. So Because even the uh little Opie looking guy is actually in the show every uh-huh. now and then. Yeah. So. 
So there you go. Those that's my honorable mentions. Andrew, what did we miss? Um, I did mention Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah. So yeah, I had to throw that one on there because man, that theme song is catchy as all get. So, and I love the voice acting in it. <laughs> um, Arrow. I know you don't like Arrow as much as I've I do. I've just never really watched it. Okay. So. Um, it's actually the the as the seasons progress, I I think I'm falling more and more off of the Arrow wagon mm-hmm. but man season one and season two was great yeah. that's really whenever i'm like okay the cw cw is going to start making good shows now and i loved it and because of that we got the flash so thank you arrow um i don't know if any of you guys have ever seen the show young justice Mm-mm. so um it's it's focused primarily yes. okay so sam has seen young justice it focuses primarily on the younger um uh, superheroes so like there, there is the Justice League with Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, Martian Manhunter, uh, Red Tornado, and all those guys. But then Young Justice focuses on Robin, Aqualad, Zatanna, hmm. Wally West, the Young Flash, and like they. So it's like Muppet Babies, but for kind for DC? of what it is, it's it's, it's a training program <laughs> for the younger superheroes, so that whenever the Justice League characters get too old, that they will be replaced by these younger heroes because they're yeah. also always yeah no, that's cool so the show ran from 2011 to 2012 but it's coming back for the third season very cool lucifer have to mention lucifer never seen it you need to start watching lucifer man it's a fun show it's a lot of it's fun. a devil of a show uh yep and finally I had to mention the 1990 spider-man very nice, guys. I think we covered it all. We got to run through our buried treasure super quick. We'll do our buried treasure in the reverse order that we just did. Andrew, why don't you start us off? I'm going to start off actually with something I've never done in a buried treasure. I'm going to go with music. Ooh. Never done that before. So we were talking about Donald Glover earlier. He, by his musical name, is known as Childish Gambino. He's a brilliant R&B artist. His newest album, Awaken My Love, I finally listened to the entire thing, and I am floored by how good it is. There's a song on the album called Redbone. If you get the chance to listen to it, it's actually in the um, Get Out movie that we watched. It's like one of the very first songs that's played. That song is phenomenal. I highly recommend, if you're a fan of R&B music, definitely go out and check check out Awaken My Love by Childish Gambino. Childish Gambino, uh, which is also Donald Glover. Yes. Which is also every character in every movie yeah. <laughs> for the rest of eternity. Lando Calrissian, which is Simba. also Simba. Also Simba. Yeah. And uh, Troy. <laughs> and from, Troy, yes. Troy and Troy Abed in the morning. Yeah. Uh, my Buried Treasure, uh, I don't think, I might have done a podcast before, but uh, don't do them very often. But I started listening to the um, Searching for Richard podcast have you heard of this no i've not two episodes in this is the kind of podcast that really gets me this is what like the second season of serial should have been where it's something that is kind of happening in the moment it's a real life mystery basically it's about how richard simmons disappeared like completely um from you know just being in the public eye and it's done by a friend of richard simmons and and it wasn't just that he disappeared from being in the public eye he disappeared like from everybody like nobody knows where he is and so this is a friend's attempt to solve that mystery and find out where he is i heard that he like hired a caregiver or something that was 
incredibly overbearing and like made him really reclusive and hermitish. That's part of they're just getting into that oh, okay. in, in episode two. So yeah, it's it's really interesting to just kind of I love these kind of real life mysteries where so it's definitely you know, not a talking head podcast. No, no, not at all. It's just kind of a. It, did you like the first? Did you ever listen to Serial? Like the first season of Serial? Uh, no, I don't like Serial. Uh, I, no, Captain I'm, Crunch. No, I'm being totally serious. I I, I don't like the podcast serial. Okay, but uh, the second season I thought was awful, but I really enjoyed the first season. The uh, the podcast that is not a talking head that I tell everybody to listen to is the Message, and you know it's story based. Right, that's more of like a fictional you yeah know, kind of thing. But this is this is a, like a real life research, you know, kind of like a documentary kind of sort of thing. Uh, yeah, yeah, audio doc. Yeah, like an audio doc. That's probably a good way to say it. Sam, what do you got? What, what, just real quick, I'm sorry. What was it called again? Uh, Searching for Richard. Searching for Richard. Okay. Yeah. So what do you got, Sam? Uh, the, well, the news came out recently about uh, NASA finding seven Earth-sized planets orbiting a dwarf star um, in another solar system. Mm-hmm. Um, very far away. Uh, but, of course, isn't everything in space. Um, <laughs> and uh, it's I don't know if I necessarily want to talk about that news in particular, but it does get me thinking... Because we see a lot of things about, you know, could we get in contact with alien life and and extraterrestrial contact and all that kind of stuff. And it gets me thinking that it made me realize, actually, the more I thought about it the other day, that I would never want to see it happen in real life because I know what kind of people we can be. Um, (laughs) I I just know that the second that little green guy steps off his ship, some idiot's going to shoot him and it's going to wreck the whole thing. Um, so my question, uh, or, the, or the discussion that I, I want to pose is, do you guys, not necessarily do you think it will happen, but I kind of think it should remain solely in fiction, um, and, and kind of, you know, like, non-fiction books about what if. I don't know if I'd ever want to actually see it happen. What do you guys think? I think we're a bit too self-destructive and destructive to others. What an interesting buried treasure. Uh, I think that with... With movies like, you know, Passengers just recently thinking about this kind of thing about going to other planets. And that's not necessarily about, like, um, extraterrestrial life or anything. But the idea of inhabitable planets uh, is an interesting thing. I, For me, the technology leaps alone would probably be worth it. Like, if they've already figured out, you know, space travel and teleportation let's say or those kind of things. Like, yeah, like the science stuff would be uh, worth it. You know, for me, um, oh yeah, to to know that that exists mm. and that you know those kind of things, Andrew. So um, I I totally think it's fascinating because I listen to like Star Talk Radio, mm-hmm. Neil deGrasse Tyson, and uh, Bill Nye's podcast that they do. They brought up something fascinating the other day. Um, all these planets that have like uh, what's what's known as the uh, the uh, what's it? Goldilocks zone of mm-hmm. like a perfect distance away from the sun right not too hot not too cold exactly um a lot of these that are like uh 200 300 light years away if they are watching earth it's taking the light so long to get to them that they're only seeing like medieval times they're not seeing what's going on right now it's taking light so long to get to these plants that they're seeing like medieval humanity you mean like if they're literally watching us through some sort of high-powered telescope exactly Oh, interesting. Isn't that fascinating to think about? Yeah. But going as far as, like, humans traveling to different solar That's systems to, fasc- to, like, uh, to like terraform and stuff, 
I've always thought that was fascinating ever since I watched Next Generation as a kid. Yeah. Going boldly where no man has gone before, terraforming planets, discovering yeah. new life and stuff like that. So I've always been a huge fan of that thought. Is it ever going to happen in my lifetime or what would be considered if I ever had children in their lifetime? Not even close. We are so far away from... Because we still think that FTL, faster than light travel, is impossible. Yeah. So. It'll be interesting. Because we can't ever capture a taxi. I just on. want a self-driving car. It, that would be enough for me. Let's just make that happen for everybody. <laughs> hey, that's. Uh, did you hear what Uber's doing? Uber's getting away with uh, their hiring fully autonomous cars now. Well, they're that's, getting away with that's drivers. Kind of, that's kind of the whole point. That's what been Google's been talking about for a long time: is that in the future we won't actually own cars. We'll yeah. just we'll just rent a car service like we rent music, or you know, like you know, be our Spotify for vehicles. Yeah. You know, kind of thing. So. Congrats, guys. We did a podcast. Woo! Yeah, we did. It happened. Um, thank you Woo-hoo. so much for tuning into this episode of Sif Pop. It is part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network. You can find out more about other live and later shows on the network by following the feed at Mixler.com slash Studio DNA. That's M-I-X-L-R dot com slash Studio DNA. Huge thanks again to today's guru. It's Sam from Sam's channel. Yeah! Woo! Yay! Thank you so much. Sam, uh, uh, thanks for having me on, guys. A lot of fun. Absolutely. If you had somewhere to send people, like what do you wanna what do you wanna promote? Uh, I will promote uh, I will promote my Twitter since that's probably what I use the most at uh, Samuel Gavin I tweet every day I'm usually quite a cynical chap on Twitter but I mean well <laughs> and I, uh, <laughs> so if you can tolerate that then uh, hopefully uh, we can we can have some fun uh, you can also find me on YouTube Sam's channel there is also a Facebook page of the same name type both into your search bars you will find them absolutely fine um yeah that's where you can find me thanks again for having me guys absolutely it's our pleasure i find your reviews on youtube to be insightful intelligent and thoughtful and so if you want to check that out we'd uh oh, highly, thanks, man. yeah highly recommend it for sure much love and gratitude also to our patreon supporters for giving monthly to make this show and others on the network possible support starts at three dollars a month comes with some pretty fun perks you can find more info at patreon.com slash studio dna there are plenty of ways to connect with the podcast. You can hit up SoundCloud for full episodes. You can tweet at us if you like. You can hit up iTunes comments, or you can email us at feedback at sifpop.com. And finally, if you're having a good time and you like what you're hearing, make sure you let your movie-loving friends know about it. They'll probably like it, too. So just share the love. Let them know that we are your weekly source of podcast information. I mean movie information. <laughs> I mean all kinds of information. And next week's <laughs> podcast, Logan. Yeah, we'll be chatting Logan next week, so make sure you stay tuned for that. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 